All right, well, I'll invite you to open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 19. For using the Pew Bible, you can find them on page 878. It's Holy Week. It's Holy Week 2021, and in our sermon passage this morning, it's the start of that week some 2,000 years ago, which begins with what we know as Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Before this week is over, Christ's road to glory will pass through Calvary. But thanks be to God, it will also pass through an empty tomb. But on this day, Christ's road to glory leads him into the city of Jerusalem at the start of that Passover week. And on this day, Jesus presents himself as Israel's long-awaited Messiah King who comes in victory and in peace. Our sermon passage today will be Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 40. Let's turn our attention now to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Let's give the attention that it so richly deserves. Again, beginning in verse 28 of Luke 19. Jesus had been in Jericho teaching... And then Luke writes saying, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks of you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found, so those who were sent away and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying this colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Please pray with me. Lord God, we do thank you for that enduring word. Lord, this is a familiar word to us today. Um, Don't let us be lazy as we listen to it be proclaimed. But Lord, um, let us um, respect this word. And let us listen to it again. Let us read this passage again as if the first time. And Lord... Amaze us, for you are amazing. 
and show us wondrous things from this portion of your, of your word, Lord. And give us a good measure of your spirit so that we would understand it rightly and apply it well in our lives. For your glory, for our good, we pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned earlier, and as I know you know, this passage refers to what we call Jesus' triumphal entry. In the ancient world, a triumphal entry was very similar to what we might know as a victory parade. A triumphal entry occurred when a, when a king or, a, or an army general entered a city that he had conquered in battle or when he returned home. And, and when Jesus rode into Jerusalem this day, we understand that he was proclaiming that he was a victorious king. And he wasn't suggesting that he was just any king. But it's clear that Jesus purposefully wanted to depict the imagery of a prophecy that was made about him. Made about a special coming king. A prophecy that was made in the Old Testament book of Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah wrote about a king who would come. And he wrote and he spoke about the king whom the Lord God had promised he would give to his people who would be the special heir of David and who would actually even be Messiah. This would be God's long-promised forever king who would rule over a forever kingdom. If you turn to the front of your worship bulletin, I've, I've got that passage from Zechariah written out for you um, that speaks to this, this scene that, that Jesus um, entered into in Jerusalem that day. Here's what God told his people through the prophet Zechariah about this promised king. From Zechariah 9 verses 8 through 10. I will defend my house against marauding forces. Never again will an oppressor overrun my people, for I am keeping watch. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day, he was proclaiming that he was that king. Matthew actually says as much. It doesn't make a statement like this in the passage in Luke that we read today, but in Matthew's account of of Christ's entry into Jerusalem, in Matthew 21.4, Matthew writes that Jesus entered into Jerusalem that day on this colt because this this he did to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. And then Matthew goes on to quote a portion of, of the scripture from Zechariah. And Jesus purposefully chose to utilize this imagery on this day when he entered into Jerusalem. 
He purposefully chose to show that he was this Messiah King, the long-awaited King who was David's royal heir. He intentionally set out to show that and to make that claim on this day. We see his intentionality of doing this when we consider this passage that we looked at today from Luke 19 at verses 29 through 31. If you have your Bibles, look at that again if you would. There Luke says, When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever, has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. And we're told that the two disciples then did this. And we don't know, we don't know for sure, you know, in a way it really doesn't matter. We don't know if Jesus had made arrangements with the owner of this cult to allow him to do this, or if this was him speaking out of a divine foreknowledge. But nonetheless, regardless of which of those two situations it might have been, the two disciples go there, they find the colt in that next town, just as Jesus said. And they brought that colt to Jesus, and then he got on it. And he intentionally rode into Jerusalem that way. On Christ's road to glory, Christ intentionally presents himself to be this special king, this heir of David, who is the fulfillment of prophecy as Messiah himself. Notice also now at this point in his life and ministry, Jesus now also accepts the praise and the worship of the people. Jesus didn't do that prior to now. Previously, whenever anyone would would start to praise him, whenever anyone would start to worship him, he would stop them. Oftentimes when he healed someone, he would tell that person explicitly, don't tell anyone about this. Prior to this day, Jesus would never allow this kind of open public praise or this display of homage like he does this day. Now, of course, he was always deserving of it. I mean, after all, he's always been the second person of the Godhead. He's always been the Son of God. And throughout his ministry, his deeds were always deserving of great praise. The deeds that he did always showed forth his uniqueness. But he would never accept this type of open praise before. Only now. Now he accepts it. Now he claims it. He draws it to himself with this way in which he enters into Jerusalem. Why would he do that? Because that time has come. His hour, he said previously, had not yet come. But now, this day and this week, he says, my hour has come. Father, glorify your son. 
And in just a few few days, he'll complete that mission that he was given by the Father to seek and save the lost by giving his life as an atonement for sins of God's elect on the cross. His time has come. His time has come to complete the work of salvation. His time has come also to reveal his true identity to the people. And the time has also come now to openly receive the praise that's due him. The crowd praises Jesus. The crowd praises God saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Doesn't that last part sound familiar at all? What does that sound like? Maybe like the birth announcement of Jesus? Book ending the life of Jesus? You remember the proclamation of the angel. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. To these proclamations of praise to and for Jesus, Matthew in verse 39 says that some Pharisees in the crowd then said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. They wanted them to stop praising Jesus. They wanted them to not call him God's king. They wanted them to not give praise for the mighty works that Christ had done. But what does Psalm 150 say is the proper response? To the mighty deeds that God has done. Our proper response, friends, is that we would praise Him. It was good and right for the people to give praise to God for the mighty deeds of Christ. Because the Lord deserves and He even desires rightly to receive such praise. Psalm 150, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And it was good and right for Jesus to receive that praise that day. And it's good and right For Jesus to receive praise like that any day. It's good for him to receive praise like that every day. On Christ's road to glory, as Christ's earthly ministry is coming to a close, he now accepts the public praise of the people. I'm reminded of that passage that we looked at last week about the cleansing of the temple. You might remember that the cleansing of the temple actually occurs right after Christ's entry into Jerusalem. And if you were here last week, you might remember that in that passage that we looked at from Matthew 21, that after he drove out the money changers from the temple, the people there again were shouting out, Hosanna to the son of David. And you remember that there also the priests and the scribes said to Jesus, do you hear what they're saying? Stop them. They wanted Jesus to stop that praise of him. And do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 21 about that? Jesus said, quoting Psalm 8-2, 
Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies, I have ordained praise? Jesus didn't stop the people praising him in the temple. And he doesn't stop the people praising him now as he enters into Jerusalem riding on this donkey. Because it's good and it's right. It's proper for Jesus to receive such praise. And to the urging of the Pharisees to Jesus for him to stop the people's praises, he replies to them in verse 40, saying, I tell you, if these people were silent, the very stones would cry out. Why would Jesus say that? Because all of creation is created to give praise to Jesus. On Christ's road to glory, even the very stones along that road are prepared to declare aloud his glories. All of creation is designed and prepared to sing forth the glories of Jesus Christ and of the Father. That's what we sang of when we sung when we sang joy to the world today about how the earth rejoices at the coming of the Lord who is the king. Joy to the earth the savior reigns let men their songs employ while fields and floods Rocks, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. It's what we're told in Psalm 98, and I want to encourage you, you can follow along on that sheet that you have in your bulletin. Psalm 98, the, the last half of Psalm 98, again, speaking of creation's duty to give praise to God. Let the sea roar in all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. It's also what we read in, in Psalm 96, and I, I want to invite you, read this out loud with me. Encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ to sing praises to Christ. Encourage one another, encourage yourself to worship the King of glory, to worship the Lord. Here's Psalm 98 in praise of the Lord. Join with me. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. 
Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. All of creation and all people are designed to give praise to the Lord. And that's especially true for those who have been redeemed by him. Psalm 107, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's what we understand from the first question and answer from the catechism. Question, what is the chief end of man? Answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We have been made to give glory to God. All of our lives are to be an offering of praise and worship to him. That's even the goal of our salvation. The goal of our salvation is so that the Lord would receive praise, so that the Lord would receive glory for His kindness to us. Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace. And as we're told in the book of Jude, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be all glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's read a couple other passages together which proclaim the glories of Christ. Again, let's encourage one another, encourage your own soul, and encourage the souls of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's read this passage from Colossians 1, verses 13 to 20. He has delivered us 
from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. To close our time together this morning, friends, let's remind ourselves that there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which we may be saved. Let's be reminded again about this incomparable Christ from Revelation 5. Where John writes saying, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look in it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And they sang a new song, saying, Again, please read with me. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped Him. Friends, this is Jesus. There is no other like Him. And He is to be praised and worshipped and highly esteemed always. Pray with me again, please. Jesus, we thank You that You are the King you are the great King. And Lord, how we thank you that you are our King. 
You are God's long-promised forever king of a forever kingdom. Rule over all, Jesus, we pray. Lord, you are constant. You are worthy of constant praise and worship. You are worthy of our allegiance, Lord. Lord, through your spirit working in our lives, continue to grow our gratitude and our love and our faithfulness to you so that you would receive the glory through the way in which we live. Lord, may we always praise you. And may we always consider knowing and being known by you to be our greatest treasure. We pray this, Jesus, in your most holy name. Our God, our King, our Redeemer. In your name we pray. Amen.